Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Bee. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And we are discussing the Bills, who are on a two-game win streak once again, uh, and their upcoming matchup against the Seattle Seahawks, who are one of the best teams in the NFL and one of the Super Bowl contending teams in the NFC, which is a huge matchup. We're also on the heels of... The Bills and basically the rest of the NFL staying dormant at the NFL trade deadline and now going into the second half of the season where the focus on the bigger picture really comes into view here. Because when you get through the first four games, it's like, okay, you get a feel for who the team is. Then you get through the first half of the season, you're like, all right, this is how, this is what this team is, at least at this point. And this is how a team has to win games. And then once you get into November and December, you start to see if they can actually become that team that they've been flashing. So, Matthew Fairburn, this is a huge matchup for a lot of different reasons. Um, A, because it's going to be fun, (laughs) probably. Uh, It's supposed to be great weather, low wind, um, two... Well, one prolific passing attack and and another that has the potential to get back to being a prolific passing attack like they were earlier in the season. So this is just, uh, I I am honestly very excited to watch it all happen in front of us because it's not often that we've had a matchup in Buffalo where both teams have been somewhat passing attack juggernaut-ish in in certain uh, capacities of the season. So what are you anticipating most from this game? Yeah, I think anytime you have the best quarterback in football or the guy who's playing like the best quarterback in football coming to town, that, that sparks some interest. And there's going to be a ton of wide receiver talent on the field on Sunday. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett for the Seahawks. Uh, Stephon Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley uh, on the Bills' side, two quarterbacks who aren't afraid to push the ball downfield. Uh, It's going to be, like you said, one of those games that you would anticipate a bit of a shootout. The weather sets up for it. Uh, The the way both teams have struggled on defense at times sets up for it. And frankly, the Seahawks are running up the score on everybody. Um, and so the teams that are able to to keep pace with them are the only ones that make it competitive. Uh, it's not a team that has been slowed down very much at all this season. And, you know, maybe uh, similar in some ways to the Chiefs game, but I, I think still a little bit of a different matchup because of for starters, they're not dealing with uh, what they dealt with that day in weather unless something changes here in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got a, a Patrick Hammer update over the weekend that uh, a storm front is mo- moving in. But also 
just the fact that the Chiefs had the ability to go to the running game, and the Seahawks do as well, but they've completely changed their philosophy to become this team that airs it out and really leans on Russell Wilson, and why not? I mean, he's he's been unbelievable. So I think it's a big test for the Bills' defense uh, that hasn't been— the secondary hasn't often been tested this season. Uh, they did play Patrick Mahomes, but— Patrick Mahomes didn't throw the ball much. Um, he did well when he did throw the ball, but he didn't throw it all that often. So this is, if, if ever there was a time for the Bills secondary to to show, you know, who it is and and, and really like rise to the occasion and, and be that team that they were in 2019, this is it. You know, you need Tredavious White to come up with a big game. You need your safeties to be on top of things. And even then, it might not be enough to slow these guys down. Yeah, the, their passing attack is front and center because they can beat you in so many different ways. I mean, you have the obvious, which is DK Metcalf that can get down the field and his run after catch, if you don't tackle him immediately, is is pretty, uh, pretty fear-inducing for NFL defenses. I mean, his first uh, big play of the game against the Niners last week was when he just came back on a, on a, on a simple comeback. The, the defender that was on him slipped when he was going to run up to try and either uh, bat the ball away or go and tackle him. So then Metcalf runs across the, the other side of the field, follows some blocks, and then has the separation uh, straight line speed to where nobody's really catching him from there. So you have that sort of, fear uh along with it and and he's uh, he's someone that they have to be cognizant of uh no matter what they do uh on sunday and then you have tyler lockett underneath which with the the struggles of taron johnson have been well documented uh this season especially in coverage run support he's pretty good actually and and he is a, a plus defender we saw it against the Jets in the first half when the Jets were running the ball, Taron Johnson was having a really good game. And then against the Patriots, he really showed well as a run defender. But when it comes to pass coverage, like there are players that aren't Tyler Lockett that give him a lot of trouble in coverage because what happens is if he's in a man-to-man situation, or even if not, he's playing nickel corner, which oftentimes just evolves into a man-to-man situation because the routes are usually short and he usually has a short underneath coverage, which means he's the guy that has to pick up that player. So what happens is he hesitates ever so slightly and that is enough to give the opponent give the opponent a yard to two yards of separation and that's all NFL quarterbacks need. And if that's all NFL quarterbacks need, Russell Wilson is going to take that and run with it. So they need to be cognizant of of all of that as well. But the one thing that that really just gets you out of sorts with the Seahawks team is how they're able to complete passes to the running backs too. I mean, um, if Chris Carson plays, that that would be a huge thing for them because he has been become such an underrated facet to their passing attack. He's got a bunch of touchdowns as as a as a uh, receiver. And he's really added that element to his game. And it's not to say that he couldn't have done it before. They just never really went to it often enough. So now he's become more of a multidimensional back. And uh, it just 
leads you to think this is a, a great offense and the Bills just have so many things that they have to think about, especially if Carson plays. Yeah, it's it's a trickier matchup in some ways, I think, than the Chiefs. And it's not to say that the Seahawks are necessarily better than the Chiefs. Um, you know, it can depend on the week. I think the Seahawks, you know, the way they're playing this year are probably a better offense than the Chiefs. Russell Wilson, you know, the way that he plays, the way that he can extend plays and take off and run and just kill you with, you know, it's third and eight and you drop back in coverage and he finds a way to get nine with his legs is an added dimension to this offense that is extremely frustrating to deal with. But also, you know, when the Bills played against the Chiefs and they, you know, decided to to drop back in coverage and, you know, take away the deeper routes, that help them eliminate Tyreek Hill from the game because, you know, that's a lot. It's not everything, but it's a lot of what makes Tyreek Hill so dangerous is, you know, how quickly he can get over the top of a defense. These receivers are different. You know, the, the Chiefs were without Sammy Watkins in that game. And, you know, Mecole Hardman is a fine player, but still a guy that's mostly going to beat you vertically. Kelsey had a decent game. You know, the the Seahawks don't have a tight end that's quite on that level. But, you know, you mentioned Tyler Lockett. Even if you somehow take away DK Metcalf, which really only one team has been able to do this year, uh, and that team has Patrick Peterson. Um, you know, they slowed down DK Metcalf to a couple of catches in that game. But Peterson's big. He's got like two inches and 10 pounds on Tredavious White, and he plays press man coverage. That's not really Tredavious White's game. And even in that game, they take away DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett catches 15 passes for 200 yards and three touchdowns. So it's it's a really tough, you know, guessing game in, in terms of what you're going to take away. I don't think the Bills really have somebody who can take away those guys on their own, uh, either one of them. I don't think Tredavious White can necessarily handle DK Metcalf one-on-one the size is just a lot. Uh, and, and that's not always the best matchup for Tredavious White. Maybe I'm wrong. This will be one of those games where uh, he can certainly prove it. But they certainly don't have somebody who can take Tyler Lockett away by, by himself. And you mentioned the way Taron Johnson has struggled. That could be a big deal in this game because I don't know how else you take him away without double covering him or um, you know having help over the top. And what does that do to the strategy of defending DK Metcalf? So all of that makes this really tough on the surface. But then, as you mentioned, Chris Carson is no slouch. And, uh, you know, we'll see if he plays. He's kind of 50-50, it seems like, at this point. Yeah, he's not supposed to practice until Friday. Yeah, they said they're going to, you know, see what they get out of him late in the week and and make a decision on Friday. They got a pretty good game out of their rookie running back, DJ Dallas, last week, but... He's not Car- Chris Carson, um, so you know there's a bit of a drop off there. Uh, but still, you know, I think if you do what you did against the Chiefs, anybody's going to be able to run the ball, especially with Matt Milano missing a couple days of practice. You know, th- this Bills run defense, I wouldn't say is fixed. You know, last week they got uh, you know pretty well handled by Damian Harris in the second half of that football game. So I-, I think that's you know something to watch, something to monitor because you know it may take scheme and strategy to slow down Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but at the expense of what? 
And I, I think they saw what happened in the Chiefs game when they did that. This one might be a little bit different because with the weather, I feel like the Seahawks are still just going to air it out. That That's become who they are. And they have two really good receivers and a, a few other guys who can make plays. Um, you know, they... They've got Greg Olson at tight end who hasn't, you know, done much for them, but they have other other places to go with the ball if they need to, uh, including the backs out of the backfield. So a lot to handle with this this offense. And um, if, you know, anyone was wondering whether the last two weeks, uh, you know, signaled that the Bills defense is fixed, I think we'll find out. We'll have a much better gauge of that after this game. Yeah, and honestly, I, I think I'm whatever – happens unless the bills are totally dominant and they shut down the seahawks to the point where they're they only scored like somewhere between 10 and 20 points that then that is like okay wow that this defense has really turned it around but if the seahawks score 30 points that's pretty just pretty much just standard for them they're just that gifted off oh yeah that doesn't mean the bills are yeah are broken exactly i think a year ago if they were playing this game i would really have thought that the bills defense had a good chance to slow them down or shut them down have a game kind of like they did against the texans uh in the playoffs you know have uh, you know russell wilson's gonna get his but you know managing to keep the game close and keep it in check that's they have more to prove than they do to lose as a defense this week and i don't think anybody's or nobody should, you know, unless they get allow like 60 points and just look embarrassing, um, should get too alarmed if the Seahawks mm-hmm. put up 35 points in this game. But on the flip side, if they're able to go back to what they were in 2019 and, and hold this team, heck, I'd even say under 30 would be somewhat impressive. But, you know, under, under 20 um, would be a huge feat. And that's what this defense used to be. It used to be the teams that were, were rolling, they could slow them down and it all, a lot of it is matchup based and stuff, but I think, uh, certainly there's, there's more for them to, to prove in this game than there is on the other side. Cause like you said, it, if you get shredded by the Seahawks, it, you know, join the club, everybody has, even the one mm-hmm. game they lost, they were lighting up the scoreboard. So, uh, it's a really tough offense to defend. Yeah, no doubt. I think there's, there's probably going to be a choice here from the Bills, um, much in the same way that they went with their defense against the Chiefs. It's, okay, what can you live with this team doing? And it's probably going to be, again, like it was against the Chiefs, that they're going to just live with the Seahawks being able to run the ball. Now, this is probably a better thing for them if Carson doesn't play because while Dallas DJ Dallas scored a couple of touchdowns you know after watching the film I was not really that impressed by him if I'm honest and I didn't think his vision was that great didn't think the speed was that great uh, tried to bust things to, to the side too often and and plus their offensive line kind of stinks so uh, you you put all of those elements you can you say okay well if the Bills defensive line can handle their business up front you're you're less worried about the run um, with DJ Dallas back there than you would be Chris Carson, who I think Chris Carson is vastly underrated in the league. Anyway, um, but you also have to look at it and say, okay, what can you live with in this game? What if you're if you are the defense, you know the Seahawks 
are going to put up points. They're going to put up yards. It's what they do. Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. He is probably going to be in the top three of MVP voting, if not the MVP outright uh, at the end of the season. And you have these two burgeoning stars at wide receiver to go along with it. So I think if if you're the Bills, you probably look at it just from limiting those huge plays. And that's kind of the their core philosophy of their defense in, in its entirety. The, the biggest possible injury announcement they could have this week, and I think it's trending that way, is if Micah Hyde is able to play in this game. Because if Micah Hyde is available, that means you have so much help with DK Metcalf from your free free safety and Hyde, who is incredibly good at taking away the stuff over the top. There have only been a handful of times since he's come to Buffalo where teams have been able to have some success over the top. And yes, they've come in some fairly big spots from time to time, but by leaps and bounds, the big plays down the sideline just haven't been there for teams because Micah Hyde is really good at what he does at free safety. So if you're taking away that stuff, then you're probably sitting there going, you're you're just going to have to live with Tyler Lockett. Um, as long as you can limit what he does underneath, which is easier said than done because him after the catch is still pretty darn good too. I think they might look at Tyler Lockett in the same way that they defended Jamison Crowder um, the last couple of seasons, where you have this really good fleet of foot route running slot receiver that's probably going to get a ton of catches underneath, and he just he's just in sync with the quarterback. If you can limit that to seven to eight yards, or you know, and and then when you get closer to the goal line be able to to fortify and force the the Seahawks into a field goal rather than a touchdown. That's a win for your offense. You're not going to get them to go three and out every single that that's just unsustainable against this offense. So you just have to learn to live with something. So I wonder if they look at it and go, "Okay, complete the ball to Tyler Lockett and then try and hammer down and and bring and bring him down before the sticks." Or and force them into some third downs, whether it be third and two, uh, third and three, third and four, that that type of stuff. Yeah, that if they can find ways to slow down both of those guys, I don't think you're shutting them both off the scoreboard. But no. um, it's it's the big plays that will destroy you with this offense. They're among the best in the league at creating big plays in the passing game, and the Bills have been pretty good at limiting big plays for the most part. The the problem the Bills have had is that they're not creating a lot of big plays on defense, and that can really True. skew the perception of how good your defense is, especially in a league where a lot of teams are letting up yards and points. It, it just happens um, because of, uh, you know, regard whatever the reasons are, it seems more pronounced this year, but the league has been trending that way for a long time because of the rules and, and the way officials are calling games. Uh, it's not to excuse the the decline of the Bills defense, but what's missing from them is making big plays of their own and, and turning the football over. Um, you don't see a whole lot of it from Tredavious White and Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde this season. Uh, and, you know, teams aren't maybe testing them as often, but 
I think, you know, they've gotten some timely ones. They've gotten some fumbles at, at good times. Uh, Josh Norman knocking a ball out. Justin Zimmer last week. They've they've had some some luck there, but intercepting passes has not been their strong suit. So, uh, you know, recognizing that you're probably going to get, you know, some yards. Uh, you're going to give up some yards. You're going to give up some points. It's about turning the ball over and then, you know, taking advantage on the offensive side of the ball and, and being, you know, a team that can capitalize when the Seahawks get three and go down and get seven and, you know, keep up with an offense that um, is going to at some point get theirs, uh, whether it's, you know, 24 points or whether it's 38 points probably depends on how your defense plays and whether they can turn the ball over. But, you know, how the offense plays is within their control. And they're, you've already heard some of the messaging coming out about, you know, the best defense can be a good offense and things like that. I don't take that to mean it has to be a ball control game. I don't necessarily buy into that logic all the time. You know, this idea of kill the clock and keep the the Seahawks offense off the field, like score points, Uh, you know, however you do that, however long it takes, however long you hold the ball, just score points. Uh, That's the best way to keep up with this team and and keep the pressure on them. Uh, Sure. You can keep them off the field, but if when they get the ball, they're scoring quickly, that's not doing you much good either. So uh, you know, it's a uh, there's there's going to be a lot of responsibility on Josh Allen in this offense in this game as well because we saw against the Chiefs and you know to some extent against the Titans as well that when you know games turn into you know a little bit of a shootout the offense tends to to not be able to keep up and we know that they they have it in them because of what they did in the first month of the season uh, the way they held off that furious comeback from the Rams probably the most impressive showing from this offense so then it's a matter of you know getting to the point where you can do it against an offense and play from behind which frankly you might have to do against the Seahawks looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
that is a great segue into the other side of the ball because we've been talking a lot about this Seattle-based passing attack, but the one thing that's kind of fallen to the wayside, and you you would obviously we both could could speak to this, but you just posted something over at the Athletic about the first half of of Josh Allen's season, and it's been a bit of a tale of of two halves of that first half. I mean, the the first four games, obviously, all the stats are there. Um, MVP candidate the, the, or MVP talk anyway, and then the last four games, it's it's been more of a reliance on the run, not really these big plays over the middle of the field that that there were before in the first four games of the season, and this is a humongous opportunity for them to show that they still have that in them, and with the opponent that's coming up um, in the Seahawks, everybody, everybody, without fail, doesn't matter who the quarterback is, whether it's Nick Mullins or Kyler Murray, it has not mattered. These Seahawks have been giving up yards and points in bunches to the point where it's making the Seahawks passing attack have to overcompensate and have to score a boatload of points every single week. And is that a sustainable way to win for the Seahawks? Well, yeah, because you have an MVP candidate in in Russell Wilson. But it also goes to show that they're going to be in some closer games than maybe they should with how talented they are offensively. So that's the type of opportunity that the Bills have. I mean, the, the Seahawks corner duos and their coverage... I mean, they don't really inspire confidence in thinking that they can slow down these Bills receivers. That being Stephon Diggs, John Brown, who returned to practice on Thursday, Cole Beasley. I mean, these are players that have had an ample amount of success against zone defenses all season long. And then it's just on Josh Allen to be able to accurately pull the trigger, get the ball to where it needs to go, hang in the pocket long enough because... The Seahawks don't have a great pass rush and dice up the Seahawks the way that so many other teams have before them. So there is a huge opportunity here for him to get back on track the way that he was earlier in the season. Here's a big factor, and and we'll see how much of an impact it has, but the Seahawks are probably getting Jamal Adams back this weekend, and he can make a pretty big difference for them on the back end. This has been a Seahawks defense that is getting torched in the passing game, but also creating quite a few turnovers. And so there is a, and that presents an interesting matchup for the Bills because uh, they obviously have the receivers to take advantage of a group that uh, doesn't seem to have the cover skills uh, of some of the other teams that they've played but they also have a quarterback who has shown a tendency to turn the ball over in the last four weeks. And you can bet that this is a group that um, is ready to take advantage of that. And it could be a much different looking group with Jamal Adams back there at safety. Uh, They're getting a little bit healthier in the secondary. They're starting to come around. So, uh, you know, it's, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, it's weird to look at the numbers and then, you know, look at this team on paper and watch them play because, to some extent, you're probably right that the the passing offense of Seattle has such great numbers because they're constantly in these shootout games. Then there's also the element of 
you know, constantly having to defend the pass the way that the Seahawks defense does because the Seahawks are out in front of teams and, you know, other teams are, are airing it out and, you know, trying to keep pace. So uh, there's probably a little bit of impact on both sets of numbers, but I think Jamal Adams is, um, you know, he's been out for a while now. I think since week three might've been the last time he played. So that's a, you know, a, a pretty big chunk of the season that he's missed mm-hmm. and that this defense has had to survive without him. And they obviously, you know, gave up a, a good amount to get him and, you know, planned a good amount of their defense around him. So the Bills know well what what he can bring to the table, having played him a few times, um, you know, when he was with the Jets. But he also knows Josh Allen pretty well uh, on the same token. Yeah, uh, you know, he's he's an interesting element to this game, no doubt. And he will certainly help in trying to get some pressures on on uh, Josh Allen if they if they use him on a blitz or if they just kind of have him rove around the field in the a lot in the same way that the Jets used to have him do. Uh, I mean, that could be somewhat of a unique factor to this matchup. But even with Jamal Adams on the field, this is I still feel very good about the bills being able to move the ball through the air on on these guys i mean adams adams is no doubt a great player in the nfl but you you look at how well Diggs uh works against zone coverage same thing with colt beasley john brown hasn't shown it as much in recent weeks but he's also been banged up but we know that he can have that ability Jamal Adams can't be everywhere. I mean, that would be physically impossible. So you find out where he is on the field, read your keys, and then figure out where you're going with the football. And don't let that player beat you because there are so many different elements to the Seahawks secondary that you can beat here. Just make sure that Adams doesn't beat you. Easier said than done, I know, but Allen has actually done a much better job this year of working against these zero blitzes, these late pressures, pressures coming from the the boundary, all all of these different things that used to give him trouble, he's been doing a better job of this year. So if he's able to continue that along against the Seahawks, who are one of the least imposing defenses that he has seen this entire season, then this passing attack with Diggs on a really nice day without much wind, you know, at least that's the way it's tracking right now, he should be able to to get it going a little bit. And again, offensive efficiency is going to have to be everything because we saw against the Jets in a game which they should have scored 40-plus points. They ended up with 18 and couldn't score a single touchdown. Efficiency is going to be so important for them to be able to convert into touchdowns because you know the Seahawks are going to get theirs. And the defense won't be able to force the Seahawks into field goals every single time. So if the Bills can get to 30 plus points they've got a shot in this game but that's a big if with how they've been playing recently yeah there's a a, an element of you know the of, of needing to finish drives and needing to get back to creating big plays which have really been lacking and they don't seem overly concerned about the lack of big plays because teams are playing them a certain way they're they're playing with uh, you know, way more zone coverage, dropping back. You know, the Patriots were in dime for a good amount of that game, which that's what you're going to get when you have four receivers like the Bills do uh, who can hurt you in different ways. 
Stefan Diggs has been fine, um, you know, against zone coverage. He's he, he understands how to beat it. Cole Beasley knows how to beat it. Um, so if teams continue to choose to play that way, they'll get theirs underneath. But they still seem like that that deep passing element needs to return. And not just, you know, deep, but intermediate. And in that, you know, 10 to 20 range that has also been a bit of a bugaboo for them in recent weeks. I, I think they haven't been a bad passing offense. They just haven't been at the mm-hmm. level that they were in the first month of the season. And, you know, they're taking what the defense gives them. Josh Allen's been managing games. Uh, he's had some problems with turnovers and, you know, the offense seems to disappear at times, but it seems like they're, they're still there that, that passing offense from the first month of the season. It's about developing a counter punch as a group, not just the passing offense, but you know, the entire offense. And I think, you saw a little bit of that with the running game last week. Maybe that softens, you know, defenses up a little bit, causes guys to to come back into the box and and think twice about Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and open things up. You don't need a lot of big plays in a game. Um, you know, a handful is, is a really good day, uh, as you saw against the Dolphins and the Rams and the Raiders uh, early in the season. You only need to hit on a few of those to to really change a few drives and and put points on the board. So. Hey, I think they they match up pretty well with this group. It's a matter of the number one thing is for Josh Allen avoiding those those mistakes and turnovers because this is a group that will take advantage. Uh, it's probably part of why they're um, you know giving up a lot of yards and a lot of big plays is you know they get a little too jumpy, but that's their nature. That's their style. That's how they play, and it'll probably be even more pronounced with Jamal Adams in the lineup because uh, you know he's always looking for a big play. So uh, I think, you know, it's tough to know what they'll look like, um, you know, frankly, with with Adams in there because we didn't get to see a lot of it early in the season. But he certainly, you know, changes the math a little bit for them on that side of the ball. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I don't think that Allen has been, like, bad uh, in in these last four games. You know, there were a few plays in that Patriots game where, he made some reads and some throws that were way better than than what I remembered when watching the game initially and certainly watching it um, on the broadcast uh, angles after that. On the coach's film, like, he, I mean, he really zoomed some passes over to the sideline and it's it was, it just tells you that that guy is still there. Now, they obviously I think his, didn't... Maybe in- I don't know if you agree with this. I think the biggest difference with him is that his bad games aren't nearly as bad as they used to be. Um, 100%. And in the last four weeks, he hasn't been bad. He's just been average. You know, he's just been hovering around the middle of the league. It's not as if he went from being at the top of the league to the bottom. Uh, I think now you're at a point where if he's neutralized, he's just going to have an okay game. He's going to have some moments, um, but he's not going to completely fall apart the way that he used to. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, that's what we've seen through the first half of the season, and we've seen that for the most, really, since week four of last year. Uh, we haven't really seen the wheels fall off outside of the uh, the second half of the Texans game in, in the playoffs. But I think for him, he's still making correct reads, and he's still taking what the offense is giving or defense is giving him uh, much in the same way that he was in the first half of the season or the first half of uh, the first half, I should say. 
I think the the key difference is here that they just need, like you said, they need to find that counterpunch. And I actually think he's played at a higher than an average level. I think he's been, you know, slightly above average some games to good some games where he has done everything that the Bills have needed him to and has had some things fall apart. Like that Jets game, if you if you take that as an example, the result of that was 18 points, you know, just a crummy point total against a crap team, to be perfectly frank, um, that they should have come away with 40-plus points. And a lot of times when it got down to the scoring area because on all nine of their actual drives i'm not counting the 10th one because that was a kneel bound on all nine of their actual drives they got it to within the jets 35 yard line the 35 or closer so when you have that many opportunities to come away with only six field goals or eight field goal attempts that's that's uh evident of something that was going wrong and a lot of it was just individual errors, whether it was penalties, drop passes. Um, and again, we saw another drop pass last week by Gabriel Davis in the end zone or a missed throw here or there. It was so much less on Allen and a lot more on the team around him and the overall efficiency from the entire offense. And obviously Allen is the focal point here because he's the quarterback. He's the one that touches the ball every single play. But they just need a lot more from everybody. And it it and so that game was a perfect example of like, all right, everything was there for them to have one of those games that they did in the first four games of the season. But the the efficiency at the end of the drive just wasn't quite there. So even though I thought Allen had a good game in in that one, and they had a touchdown call back in that game as well, that could have probably changed some of the the thought process on it, but it was called back because of a penalty, I believe, on Brian Winters, then that changes the perception of the game. So, yes, they need to be better. They need to be more efficient at the end of drives. But I do think Allen is doing the right things. And I don't think they want to change too much about what he's doing. Do they want him to hang in the pocket a little bit more than he has been Let's say the last two weeks. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's going to have a chance to be able to do that this week. But as long as he's able to continue to go through his reads like he has been and and not go into the hero ball moments that he's avoided for the most part in 2020, then I think they'll be just fine. And then it's a matter of the entire team bringing it together at the end of the drive. Yeah, I think... You know, there's been so many moments in the last four weeks that this offense has been close to clicking and it just hasn't been there. I mean, last week against the Patriots, that was just a game where they knew they weren't going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, he did everything mm-hmm. that, you know, the the game plan called for. He did everything the coaches asked him to do. But, um, you know, the, the interception was bad. Um, he missed a few deep shots, but that was a game that you wouldn't have uh, expected the passing game to carry you, um, you know, with the weather and the way the Patriots, you know, schemed up, um, you know, their defense. I think that the Titans and the Chiefs game were probably the the two that, you know, maybe concern you a little bit. And that's where, you know, this game is, you know, in that same, you know, bucket, not because Seattle can play defense uh, the way that Tennessee can. Uh, certainly Tennessee's the toughest 
defense they've played played in the last month. But the way that you've got to you know rise to the occasion in these games against top level teams uh, and just not let the the moment get too big, not have you know the interceptions, uh, not have um, you know these drives, you know these stretches of games where, where things stall out, and then you know the the red zone issues against the Jets. You know, just finishing drives it has been a bit of an issue. Um, you know, up until last week when they got the running game going, uh, they were producing touchdowns at a crazy clip at the beginning of the year. Uh, and in the last four games, Josh Allen's only thrown four touchdowns and he's thrown four interceptions to go with him. So uh, he did add a rushing touchdown last week, which which helped. But it feels like they're close. It doesn't feel like this passing offense has has disappeared. The fact that teams are being forced to play them the way that they are uh, says that there's an increased level of respect for what they're bringing to the table. Uh, now it's just about, you know, and this is what every, you know, young quarterback has to go through at some point. Once teams will dare you to do something for a while and then you figure that out. And like he did early in the season when last year he was bad against man coverage, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league against man coverage this year teams came out with a lot of man coverage in the first month of the season. They, you know, weren't too concerned about him beating them deep because he was one of the worst deep passers in football, uh, you know, in over the entire course of last season, he proved he could beat that. And then in the next month, they're like, all right, we'll play you this way. So far, he hasn't proven that he can beat it to the same level that he beat the defenses in the first month. But I think he's starting, it's starting to click a little bit and he's starting to find the answers and the offense is starting to find the answers the same way, um, you know, the chiefs offense uh, against, you know, the bills saw the way they came out and said, all right, well, we'll run the ball a bunch and we'll run for 245 yards. The bills haven't gotten to that level in their running game, but uh, that's all part of, you know, offensive football. It's all part of the, the strategy and the bills have a quarterback that teams are planning around that, Yes, they've sort of figured out how to neutralize him and slow him down. That doesn't mean it'll be that way forever. Uh, but the fact that they needed to figure out how to neutralize him to begin with, uh, that wasn't much of a problem for defenses the last two years. He had his games, of course, but the good defenses were able to to slow him down with some pretty simple stuff at times. Now you're seeing teams disguise coverage, play a lot more zone, play a defense that looks one way before the snap and looks like something else after the snap. You know, there's there's a different level of respect for Josh Allen and the and the passing offense than there was, uh, I think, even entering this season. All right, so let's get to the prediction because it's about that time. The Bills are. We're recording this on Thursday at about two o'clock. The Bills are three point underdogs. Um, they're at home, obviously, against the Seahawks. And the total on the game is the highest on the NFL slate. This is according to uh, the DraftKings Sportsbook at 55 points, two and a half points higher than the next closest one, which is the Panthers and Chiefs. So, Matthew Fairburn, I'll let you kick it off once again. Who do you got? Who uh, covers the spread? And what's, uh, what's the total on the game? I've got the Seahawks winning the football game. 38 to 28. Um, I think it will be the shootout that people are hoping for. And a big part of that is the fact that it looks like it's going to be nice out a rare, nice day in November in Orchard Park. Um, You know, not a lot of wind, comfortable temperatures. The environment is set 
for a shootout. Still a stadium that's empty, um, which factors into that as well. Um, there have been you know some games that the Bills have played with with some fans, which changes the the math a little bit. But yeah, I think it it's not an indictment on the Bills if they lose this game. Uh, the Seahawks are you know arguably the best team in football. Certainly look like the best offense in football, and I don't see how they can completely slow these guys down the way they're playing defense. They haven't inspired a ton of confidence on that side of the ball, to say the least. It still feels like any week they could snap out of it um, and become more of that group. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the consistent week-to-week you know, high level of play that we saw from the Bills defense in 2019, but with so many of the same pieces, it feels like that group could pop out on random weeks. So, you know, maybe they, they really rise to the occasion when they have to sit around and talk about Russell Wilson all week and wonder, you know, people wondering about this, this, what this offense is going to do to them. Maybe that brings something out in them, but until we see it, until we see them really turn a corner as a defense, I just don't see them slowing these guys down. But I think the bills will, will get back to a little bit more of, of what we saw in the first month of the season, it'll take quite the effort from Allen in this offense to, um, you know, keep pace and, and set the pace on this Seahawks team. But I think it'll be a fun game to watch. And I think the Seahawks will come out on top in the end, but, um, I'm, I like the over even at a very high number. Um, I do like the over. Yeah. You had them barely getting over the over. I think you had a total of 56, right? 38, 28. 38, math, 28 right? is 66. 66. I'm sorry. Wow. So what what the hell just happened over. to me? Uh, yeah. I don't know what just happened to my brain right there. Um, Too much right. counting well, this week. <laughs> you aren't kidding. I'm like doing is over of equals percentage over 100 every single uh, second of every single day. All right. Um, the I think uh, with this matchup in particular, uh, you have a lot of different elements going on, and I think uh, the injury report will certainly influence how, how things go. I think one of the biggest possible things that could go in favor of the Bills is Micah Hyde being eligible for this game because not only does that get you Hyde back in the game, but that gets you to be able to utilize Jordan Poyer where he's best, and that's in the box kind of kind of scheming around wherever they want him to and so they don't have to pull him back to free safety on some snaps because you have Dean Marlowe out on the field at all times so because of that I think that is a huge thing in their favor if Chris Carson doesn't play in this game I think that's another big thing that could go in the Bills favor here because then you don't have to worry about the run game as much because there is a considerable drop-off from Carson to DJ Dallas. And it doesn't look like Carlos Hyde's going to play in this game either. Um, so you have that potentially working for you. And then as far as the matchup goes, I actually really like uh, how the Bills match up uh, pretty much uh, throughout the entire game with the exception of going up against Russell Wilson and, and those receivers. I think the Bills offensive line has an advantage over the Seattle Seahawks defensive line. They don't get much pressure. I think the Bills offensive line has been playing pretty well this season as pass blockers. And and so I like them to be able to keep the pocket clean for Josh Allen. I think the Bills defensive line is better and is playing at a higher level than what the Seahawks offensive line is right now. 
I mean, you look at a, at a key matchup, uh, their right guard, Lewis, who's a rookie, uh, the Seahawks, that is. I mean, he's just he's just getting torched by opponents. And I think that's a potential area for Quentin Jefferson to have a hashtag revenge game against his former mates to be able to get in on, on uh, Russell Wilson. But I also believe that containing the edge is going to be key here because, as you alluded to earlier in the podcast, um, when when Russell Wilson is able to get out from that pocket, and it's usually to the sides, he can kill you with nine yards, 10 yards, uh, 21 yards occasionally. I think he did that against the Niners on one of those plays. So you have to be cognizant of that. But the Bills receivers have an advantage here, and it's all in how you defend that passing attack. I'm of the belief that they're going to stick Tredavious White in front of DK Metcalf. Now, that doesn't mean man-to-man coverage, but you do not in any single realm want DK Metcalf to match up against Levi Wallace because not only does Levi not have the long speed, he doesn't have the physicality to go toe-to-toe with Metcalf. Trey White, this set, this is setting up for him to become a potential hero in this game. If he's able to break on the ball well enough because DK Metcalf doesn't, like he's, he's, he's really stinking good and great after the catch, great long speed. But if there's one area he struggles, it's in his breakdown and cutting on a dime. And if Tredavious White can read him and be able to break on the ball quickly enough, he, that could lead to some pass breakups in zone coverage. So this is all a long winded point. I think they're going to try to, uh, Limit Taron, they're going to limit uh, Tyler Lockett underneath, or at least that's going to be the plan. I wouldn't be surprised in third down if they only go with one linebacker on the field. And this is a game script that certainly favors Tremaine Edmonds as well, because I don't think the Seahawks are going to be relying on on the run, which is where he struggled. So because of all of these different advantages that I see from the Bills, I'm going to pick the Bills to win. And when I went into watching the Seahawks film, I was thinking, okay, this is just just a formality. Um, the Seahawks are probably going to wind up being my pick here. But I just see so many different ways and how the Bills match up with the Seahawks is actually pretty conducive to a win. Whereas in that Titans game, it was the complete opposite. So I'm going to take the Bills 31 to 30. I think it's going to be a score fest. I think the passing attack can get back on track. I think the Seahawks are still going to get their points. But in the end, I think, I, I, you know, it, it's a tight game, obviously. But I'm taking the Bills to win, the Bills to cover, and, and the over in this game. So we'll see. But uh, I think there's all the potential for the Bills to, to pull a shock win that will send a message around the NFL. And by the way, this is not for nothing, but they looked loose at practice today. And it when when you and if you look back at McDermott's history, especially with the Bills, they have had a lot of success at limiting prolific passing attacks. So I just wonder about this game because it, it kind of sets up well for them because their strength is their secondary. And we'll just have to see if if they can at least limit them to field goals or maybe force them off the field. Uh, it's it's going to be tough, no doubt. But um, but I think they can do it. Yeah, a lot of this is going to come down to Tredavious White. If they yeah. do stick him on DK Metcalf, because if he can even just handle him a little bit, um, doesn't have to wipe him out, but just handle him a little bit, then it frees up so much of what they can do to try to slow down Tyler Lockett um, and you know how creative they can get. They have been 
from a scheme standpoint and a, a coaching standpoint, really good against, um, you know, some of these teams that come in with these, these high flying passing attacks. And I think a lot of it, you know, has to, you know, Jordan Poyer mentioned this yesterday. He said, you know, they've seen, he sort of quickly mentioned it and then steered away from it as if he got a little carried away, but said they noticed some tells with, with the Seahawks and felt they had a good day of practice, you know, with, with the scheme that they put in. Um, if there are some, some little things they've picked up, the Seahawks aren't a team that, you know, has, you know, is immune from, from a bad game. So, uh, we'll see. I, I don't, I don't know if, you know, they're catching them at, catching them at a time where they're just playing so well on that side of the ball. They've been pretty good coming across the country, uh, traditionally, um, but it is an early game, uh, long flight for the Seahawks. So that's an element here, but yeah, I think it, it'll be a fun game either way. I think yeah. there should be a lot of points scored and, um, it should be one that where, while we won't necessarily, you know, it's a non-conference game, so it's not going to impact, you know, um, too, too much, uh, in terms of tiebreakers or anything like that, but there's there's a lot to be learned in games like this when the best you know team or best offense in the league comes to town it's the start of a stretch that is a pretty significant one for the bills so should be an interesting game on sunday yeah definitely and um i wouldn't be surprised if tyler lockett ends this game with like 15 catches just just because that's probably what the bills want them to do above all else um i mean obviously they would want to stop them all together but you know can't really do that uh, the other thing about this i mean and we'll, we'll wrap it up here but just like that titans game this is a weird betting line like perception from people would obviously go see you see seahawks three point on three point favorites and you go oh smash it and that's an easy bet but i don't know it's it's a that's a weird line uh, you, you know, t- take it with a grain of salt because you never quite know, but Vegas usually knows. And so I, I don't know. It, it just, it just struck me as odd for how, uh, how well the Seahawks have been playing this season. Well, they're also playing a lot of close games. Um, yes, you know, they beat, the, they beat the Falcons by 13 at the beginning of the year, but then they beat the Patriots by five, beat the Cowboys by a touchdown, beat the Dolphins by just eight, beat the Vikings by one point. Um, lost to the Cardinals by three and then beat the Niners by 10. So they're not blowing teams out. A lot of that has to do with their defense, but um, you know, they've got, they've got the horses to, to blow you out depending on how the game starts, but um, not a team that is, you know, winning games super comfortably all the time. Their offense is playing well, but the defense is, is keeping things interesting and I'm sure it'll do the same thing on Sunday. A day in the life of a Seahawks fan. Just close games left and right. All right. Um, that'll do it for us. And we will next speak with you after the game on Sunday when the Bills, you know, quite frankly, could come away with a a shocking win uh, in terms of how the rest of the, the country is probably seeing this game. Or they could at least make a statement to hang with a team like this as opposed to what happened against Kansas City and Tennessee. Um, So major opportunity uh, either way to destroy maybe some of the the thoughts on this Bills team against, against better teams. 
All right. So for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thank you for listening to us here on the Buffalo Beat. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat for a special reduced rate. We will talk to you after the game. See you then.